Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Upgrade from Relay FM. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Hover, Simplified Domain Management, MailRoute, a secure hosted email service for protection from viruses and spam, and and also our friends. Jason loves these guys like all of our friends at Dash, where you can create beautiful dashboards in just a few clicks. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Jason Snell. I'm Mike. I love all those people. They are our friends, all of them. <laughs> That's starting to seep into everything now, by the way. <laughs> uh, people keep it's mentioning funny how, it. It's funny how things that you don't... Um, that you do once and you're like, oh, well, that's just a stupid thing I said. And then it becomes a thing mm-hmm. after that because it resonates with people and and uh, comes back. Like the verticals has come back a bunch of times and uh, and the enemy discount. And yeah, it's funny. That's it's that's great. It's one of the delights of doing a podcast is that you say something once and think, well, that was kind of stupid. And then it becomes a thing because people remember it and think it was funny. It's very strange. And it comes back to you in weird ways. It still upsets me greatly that nobody has taken uh, advantage of the enemy discount. It'll happen. One day. One day. It'll happen. The yep. re- the relay uh, ad sales are going pretty well, though, so they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to find a spot where they're going to have to find, like, the enemy slot. Yeah, I don't know running out of space. For, yeah. Maybe. Well, I don't know. Maybe it <laughs> At the like, very end of the show, yeah. buried under, like, 10 minutes of silence, <laughs> and then there's an ad. <laughs> Something like May- that. And it will be, like, in reverse. So you will have to rewind yeah. the show to hear the ad. Yeah, you have to turn the the cassette tape that you're listening to the show on backward. And mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that could be, that could be. But anyway, it's a it's a lot of fun. I'm sure. I'm sure someday we will get an enemy to sponsor us, and that'll be interesting. To say the Cross least. fingers. Would you like to do your favorite segment? Um, sure. I, I <laughs> again, yes. I would love to do some follow up. Uh, and and the. The, the what I wanted to say is that we got a lot after last week's show. We got a lot of tweets from people, especially saying, "I'm really enjoying the show," and I thought, "Wow, are people in a good mood? Did we have a particularly good show?" I hope that's true. I do wonder, since we did talk in last week's show about how, although we don't like comments generally, we love interacting with people on social media. If this was everybody's message to us of like, well, here I am interacting with you on social media. Um, but I hope it's it's not just that and that they actually literally, you know, were, were enjoying the show and not just using social media to say that. But there was a lot of that last week. So I thought that was pretty funny. Did you get that? I got that. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, it's this interesting thing that... Uh, I was listening to old episodes of one of my favorite podcasts called Hello Internet, and I, I mentioned this show quite a lot because I like it. I like it a lot. And they were talking about feedback, um, and there's just this one little uh, soundbite that I quite like, which was uh, positive feedback trends to zero in the idea that the more and more you get of it, the harder it is to remember specific parts. Mm-hmm. So it's like... When you ask me that question, I I know that I am very lucky and I'm very happy that I get lots of, of, of good feedback about the shows every day. So it makes it harder to remember specific things. But like if you would have said to me, did you see that bad tweet last week about the oh, show? Yeah. I would definitely remember it. Tell me the timestamp. Yeah. Yep. You know, so it's just, yeah, I mean, yes, I do remember, actually, I, I do remember people talking. To, I remember getting lots of, like, you know, 
good good on you kind of type things from last week you know people that were oh i do i'm involved in this and i've been doing this and congratulations on you know continuing to to work on your own that kind of stuff you know like a lot of like support we're in this together type type messages Mm -hmm. because that was slightly different to usual but yeah i remember getting those yeah, I mean, I didn't. It's not in the notes, but I did get a note from from one person that said this episode was a little too navel gazy. That's exactly what he said, and I, I responded and I said, "Well, you know, we did both just leave our jobs, and uh, not every episode is going to be about that." But his point, I think, his point was, I keep hearing podcasters talk about how they uh, don't have J O B jobs, and and I get how it's really samey from that perspective. Um, but I don't regret us talking about it because this, one of the things on this podcast is it's sort of the story of our lives. Now you've got more podcasts. Well, I I don't know. Do you have more podcasts than me? We could fight it out, but you have more podcasts in which you have a platform to talk about your, uh, what you're um, doing, uh, with your career, especially analog, since so much of this is about sort of like the feelings of, of, uh, you going through this process and talking to Casey about it and making Casey question his life. Um, and, uh, so I, I don't have any regrets about us talking about it here because we don't have that many platforms to talk about stuff like this, and we do have that that in common. But I totally get how the podcast sphere um, can lose perspective on this because you've got a lot of people who are like that. And I always felt that when I was a guy who was commuting every day, and you might have thought that too. That it's like, wow, there's a lot of people talking about quitting their jobs and working out of their house in their pajamas, and uh, now we're those people. But, you know, but it is our story is, you know, that's one of the things that we're both going through. So I think it's logical for us to talk about it every now and then. Um, I think I host more podcasts than you, but I think you own more podcasts than I do. (laughs) I'm on, I think I'm on four that are recorded weekly. Yeah, see, I have, uh, I have five weekly shows and one Uh, like monthly show. Yeah, right. If you can call that a show. No, I have I have I have six <laughs> weekly shows. Okay, you win. You win. You have more. You have a bigger platform than I do to talk about uh, not having your job anymore. I have a show that's like dedicated to that. <laughs> I know. I know. It's amazing. So anyway, I, I don't I don't mind that we talked about it. But the point is that the guy who said we were too navel gazy totally remember the exact words of that tweet. Uh, but a lot of really nice feedback from everybody else. So I don't know whether that was uh, semi ironic for. Uh, <laughs> Like, oh, okay, you like social feedback? You're going to get social feedback, guys. But uh, it was great. So thank you, everybody. Um, Listener Sam, in particular, uh, a tweet that I wanted to mention, said he loved last episode. He said, (laughs) and then he trained his uh, magnifying glass on us. He said, I study independent workers. So everything you talked about is stuff I obsess over at theworkologist.com, which is, I, I believe, Listener Sam's website. I'm getting my PhD in positive organizational psychology with a focus on indie work and how to best support that style of work. So Listener Sam will be paying attention to our um, our podcast and noting our uh, responses to stimuli, I think. Listener Sam, if you if you ever notice anything that me and me, me or Jason do that are like warning signs, please let us know. <laughs> let us know. Let us know. <laughs> Any triggers, please, please the bad, the triggers. Bad, bad news. Um, listener Sebastian wrote in 
Longtime follower, first-time feedbacker, he said, listening to last week's episode, I was compelled to write you guys on the subject of remembering to leave the house, shower, etc. I've been working at home for two years now and admit to having practiced all of the embarrassing acts you sheepishly discussed. For me, getting a dog halfway through this period has made the single biggest positive difference. And he goes on to talk about how now he has to walk the dog, he has to get out. The dog provides some companionship and, and, and you know... Just and I have this. We only have a cat here now, but um, just having a pet in the house and like wondering what what what's the pet doing and do I need to feed it and wh- whatever that can be good. And then with a dog, you got to get out and walk the dog. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. I don't have a dog right now, but I do have kids, so I have reasons to get in and out of the house because I've got to take the kids places and walk my son to school or pick him up. And there's a lot uh, there's a lot going on there. Um, as for you, Mike, I don't know. Maybe uh, is there a dog in your future? <laughs> I'm I'm not a big animal person. Uh, all right, unfortunately, maybe a maybe a telepresence robot. I would definitely <laughs> have a telepresence robot. Yeah, maybe and I should can, get like you can one pay of those somebody dogs. to pay somebody to come like one once a once a day and just be in the robot for an hour or something like a little robot pal. That could work for maybe. me. Maybe just, just, just an idea. Or you could, or asthma. you could get out, or you could just get out and see people and all that. that yeah, that works too. Today I. Uh, was going swimming uh, and forgot my swimming shorts. So at least I got out of the house, Jason. Yeah, you, yeah, that's true. Did you did you just come home or did you go buy some swimming shorts? And no, then... no, I just came yeah. home. I, yeah. I think I, I the, the previous me would have bought swimming shorts, but this is also me trying to be responsible with my finances. Right. Um, right. And they don't let you. They don't let you go naked in the Olympic pool. They don't actually. They don't. Believe it. I asked, but and then I had to leave. <laughs> Isn't there a naked lane? <laughs> They're just like the far lane. Just we don't. We we're not going to judge you. Just go to the far lane and the yeah. very far lane. Yeah, I guess I suppose you could go. Maybe you could go in your in your uh, in your pants. Ha ha. Oh. Uh, but then, how would you get home? Exactly. I I, I don't think they're suitable for for exercise. Probably not. Anyway, that was an interesting vertical, the uh, naked uh, swimming Swimming. issues Mm -hmm. vertical. Uh, Listener Joseph uh, said uh, something I don't think, something I think wasn't touched on that I think I'd be interested in hearing about, especially from Mike, is, is this. What if Relay, or for me, Six Colors, became enormously successful and necessitated a much larger staff or office presence or business Micah said he doesn't see how he could ever possibly go back to a corporate environment but what if Relay became corporate? Would you work in an office? Could you work in an office even if it was your place? What do you think about that? Um, I think that that what I think about as corporate uh, would maybe be would maybe be different like I, I come from a world of, of uh, com- companies with like tens of thousands of employees, you know. Um, so, I mean, I hope actually that one day I do have like a little team of people, a couple of people um, that I work with, and I would very much like to have an office space for Relay, uh, based in London or wherever I live. I think that would be really cool. Uh, but I think I think there's a difference between like working with a few people and and. Uh, being corporate, I mean, because currently I already work for a few people, right? You know? Right, and it's it's this it's a smaller business and it's virtual, which is which is fine. Um, I liked I like going to an office. I didn't like the big commute, 
But I think you're right. I think there's a bigger distinction here, which is that working for a, a company with hundreds or thousands of people versus working for a company with eight. Uh, you know, there's that video. The Verge posted a video today about sandwich video, and and uh, they've got like eight people in a, in their office in in L.A. That's that's a really different kind of feeling from being this branch of this giant company, and you're in one division, and you know all of that, which is what both of us went went through. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wouldn't. I I thought about that that if I if my business got up and running and was uh, really successful to the point where I could I, I could see value in having uh, outside office someplace I could go to work instead of working in my house um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against that if it, if it made sense um, but I would want it to be close I wouldn't want to drive across the bridge every day like I did for 15 years. Because that was that that was a lot of time that I would really rather uh, reclaim. But listener Joseph actually says that he went back after um, not really liking his job and feeling like he was becoming a hermit and ha- how his dog wasn't sufficient social contact. Take that, Sebastian. Um, <laughs> that he he he's back to an eight to five job, but he's moving, so he'll be within five minutes of the office. So he gets the the no commute thing. But I, I I'm not opposed to it. I had a friend uh, who who found an office in like a law firm that had an extra office and it was like five minutes away from his house. And, you know, it was just a little office, but he took it and he's got that. And actually, Greg, I think, did Greg Noss mention this last week? Maybe not, but I know Greg and his wife, who's a lawyer, they have office space so they can get out of the house and go to work. Yeah, he did. He did mention it, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, that was really interesting to listener Joseph. And I think it's an interesting point of um, uh, how we view corporate versus not that that yeah it would be fun i've said this a bunch of times that i I, the thing i miss most after two months of doing this is the team we had a great team uh at idg i i had a really great team that i had built at macworld um and i miss that i miss having even uh you know two or three people who were you know we're planning what we're doing and helping each other out and i get a little of that like we've got the slack chat room for relay that i'm in and we've got one for the incomparable and dan morin is writing some stuff for six colors so he and i are chatting a lot but it's not quite the same as um you know back when i had that team thing so i totally miss that i don't think i i need need that to necessarily be in person but i do miss it and and that doesn't feel like an evil to me that's a good i i wish i wish i still uh, had something like that yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think how it might go. Like, I have put thought into, could I have a team one day? And I, I would like that. I think I would like to have people working with me because I don't want to have to to do everything for myself forever. I think it would be right. nice to to to. I mean, because even though you know, I've I've obviously got a lot more time to focus um, on relay now. I, I'm I'm still focusing on kind of the whole stack, as it were. Um, maybe even more so because I now have more time um, than than Stephen to to look at these things. Right. Uh, so you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, and I would be happy to in the future, just to, to as the company grows, to take on more responsibility. Um, but it's just interesting, and 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 to think, you know, maybe one day I could have somebody who looks after ad sales for us. I could have somebody who I don't know does some production work for me. Actually, does some show <laughs> yeah. prep and. Uh, without me need to do it or maybe somebody books guests for me or something you know all of these things are very exciting to me yeah i i had uh this yesterday i was 
editing. I spent like two hours in the morning rather than writing stories for six colors or or um a couple freelance stories that I'm working on. I was fixing the embedded uh, audio player on the incomparable because I got tired of looking at the relay pages with your really nice embedded audio player and then looking at our default QuickTime audio player that Safari sticks in to the incomparable pages. And so I had to figure out what your player was. And yeah, because we were 100% an open... zero help with that. Yeah, yes, because I asked, hey, how do you do that? And you guys are like, oh, I don't know. I think it's in the CMS. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, so I figured out what that was. And it doesn't look as good now. But I, I mean, but then I looked up and it was 11 o'clock and I'd spent two hours doing that. And so I was, that was not, not necessarily um, uh, procrastinating or anything. I wasn't really goofing off. I was doing something to advance the quality of one of the things that I'm doing. But it was, it did strike me that like, uh, you're wearing a lot of hats when it's just you or just a couple of people. And, um, I, I, you know, it's not a bad thing to, to grow to the point where you can say, uh, here's somebody who can focus on this or here's somebody who can focus on that. Not necessarily even full time. Maybe it's even part time. But being able to say, you know, can I get five hours a week from you to look, you know, fix this stuff on our website? Um, maybe someday. Should we take a quick break and then and then we still have a little bit more follow up? I need a friend. I need to hear from a friend, Mike. Tell me about a friend. Hover is a friend, and they are supporting this week's episode of Upgrade. Hover is the best place on the internet to buy and manage domain names. It's been my choice for years. It's Jason's choice, too. I think that when you look at this industry of people selling domain names, there is no competition to hover and that is because they just do everything that you want them to do, and they do it in a way that you're going to be happy with. They don't make you run a gauntlet of uh, add-on screens to to buy extra special DNS protection for the gold plan. You know, they, they don't do any of that stuff. You go to hover.com, you type in either the domain that you're looking for or you type in some keywords and they'll show you what's available. They'll show you what's available from their list of over 200 TLD options. They have everything that you'd expect, .co, .com, .fm, .me, TV as well, you know, maybe you're in the entertainment business. But they also have all the crazy ones like, I don't know, dot .diamonds is probably one. I'm making them up now. Maybe dot .bears. <laughs> I don't know if there's a dot .bears yet, but if there ever is, Hover will have it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so on that. That would be crazy. Jason.bear. Uh, they have, you know, dot .coffee, dot .plumbing, dot .academy, and so on and so on. Basically, they can give you all of the serious domains you need to run your businesses and to have your websites. They can also give you all the joke domains that you need to set up pranks for your friends. Um, and whilst I'm talking about these options, they have great prices on them all. Their .com domains, for example, they start at $12.99. All of Hover's domains include who is privacy for free. They keep your private information private. Hover have great stuff like volume discounts if you're renewing multiple domains at once. They can help you out with email addresses, storage and forwarding of that too. They have their valet service where they take all of the hassle out of switching from your current provider. They just take the information that you need for the, that they need for your previous providers uh, dns stuff and they'll just move it all over for you for free you don't have to worry about it you had 200 domains with, an, with a competitor they'll just take them and move them into hover i love hover and i think you will too and they're a great supporter of this show and many podcasts so you should be going to hover.com right now and trying them out and you want to use the code brainball or one word at oh. checkout 
and you will get 10% off your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for Upgrade and all of Relay FM. That's Brainball at checkout. Thank you to Hover for sponsoring this episode. And please visit my new website, brainball.bears. <laughs> I now need to know .bears TLD. Is it happening or is there one? Um, Seems unlikely. Yeah. Although, <laughs> so to start plumbing. Yeah, I mean, once bears get on the internet, the the jig is up. It's, it's, in, over. it's incredible that dot app hasn't gone through yet. It's it's like it's ready for pre registration, yeah. but like you think about some of the ones that have got through, like dot X Y Z. Yeah, I dot mean, diamonds. Dot X Y Z is just like a whatever kind of domain, you know. But like things like dot diamonds, like why does that exist? Like, so why is that here? I I had this thought, which is at some point, shouldn't big internet companies just get their own TLDs? And I realize that on one level that way lies madness, but on another level, is it if everybody is whatever.tumblr.com, at some point, isn't it better if there's just .tumblr? Or isn't, yeah. it, isn't it better if there's .google? That makes um, a lot of sense, like maybe, .facebook. Yeah, I mean, maybe at some point that that's worth it. Or if there's no .fb country, maybe Facebook should just be .fb and they could, I don't know. I mean, at this point, the domain system is so ridiculous that why not? Why not let, uh, and that, like I said, Tumblr was my example. Why not let Tumblr just own control.tumblr and everybody who uses it can just say, you can find me at brainball.tumblr. I think that that is genius. Like, I don't know, I don't know why that hasn't been done before the madness that we currently have. Because clearly, there's no restrictions anymore. Like, okay, there is like a council, but well, and somebody's got to pay to administer that TLD, and that yeah. that there is cost there because they have to have the the servers that are looking up all of the domains in that TLD. But a big company can afford that. Yes, definitely. I mean, especially when there are special deals that happen, right? So, like t.co. That was arranged before the .co domains went on sale, Uh, the the Twitter links. So they were able to get that. And also, you know, like single-letter domain names, I don't really think they exist, right? Like t.co. I don't know any other websites that have just like a single letter. I think you can do that. I think that that's like essentially up to the if the government of Colombia wants to allow right. a single letter domain, they can they can do that. But yeah, and my make, understanding was that that was arranged before the sale, mm, before it the went fix on sale. Was in. You know, so you can you can uh, you, there's some interesting stuff that could be done, and I think it I think that's a smart idea. We should we should write to ICANN immediately. Yes, our friends at, at ICANN. ICANN. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not sponsoring the show. I have 16 <laughs> domains at Hover, by the way. It's quite a lot. Hover. It's quite a lot. How many yeah. of them are, are like are sensible domains that are in use? Uh, f- fewer than that. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I, I don't. I don't have the list in front of me. It, it, it's uh, many of them were from my six colors speculation period. So I have you know bleedsix.com and. Uh, I have jsnell.net, I have, you know, six-colors.com and sixcolors.me and sixcolors.org. And, I have you know. I have 25 domains with Hover. I have some interesting ones in here. Um, would you like to know any of them? Sure. Um, I have uh, appreviews.net. Mm. I went in, I got went in and got that. I have that's a lot of P's. It is, yeah. That's it's app with three P's and then reviews, yeah. which is that doesn't scan very well. Uh, no. I have internationalexports.co, <laughs> which 
It's James Bond joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have podcasts.expert. Ooh. Yep. I have uh, podcasts.wtf. <laughs> now, that just redirects to Bonanza, right? Well, I mean, I could sell that to Mark Maron. Um, That's true. I think those two, I think Marco sent me and sent me iMessages one day and was like, you should buy these. So I was like, okay. So I did. Uh, <laughs> yes, Marco. I have thecircuitry.com. So I think that was okay. I think that was an idea for a show name that I had. Uh, I also have VarietyHour.net, which I quite like. <laughs> One day I will make a, a podcast called the Variety Hour, and that and that mm. will take that domain. So there you go. That's that's a small selection of the weird and wonderful domains that I have that none of them are used. I have two domains that are for novels that I've written but haven't published. Mm. Just parked. Dot com. So yeah, just parked. Dot com. <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> Uh, one of them's a .us, but oh, that's for for speci- for specific reasons. USA, USA, USA. All right, uh, more feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, listener Mike uh, talking about commenting. He said, "Comment systems are like sports talk radio, and sites without comments are like NPR radio." So that's just a shot at comments, basically. <laughs> but I thought it was funny because of this. I um, some people really like listening to call-in radio shows. Um, and I don't. <laughs> and I, anytime I'm watching a TV show, and I don't watch as much TV as I used to, but when, when I would watch flip around the dial and then you watch a show and there'd be an interesting interview, and then the host would say, all right, we're going to take some calls now. I'd be like, okay, moving on. Not going to watch. Not, don't, I don't want to hear your calls. I just I don't want to hear your calls. Hmm. It's just something about it. It's like that's not why I tuned into that show. I tuned into that show for a professional interviewer to have an interesting conversation with somebody, and now we're going to have... The calls and, you know, I, I, I guess that you could say that that makes me an awful elitist person because I don't want to hear from the people. But the fact is with social media, we can hear from the people. It's just my, my point is that I, I think the professional interviewer probably has uh, understands the technology of his show and what questions have already been asked and what questions the guest is not going to answer and maybe do a better job of interviewing that person than the people on the phone. And so I'd rather... That, I'd rather keep that job be that person's job and then let people have their opinions over in another place. But some people love it. Some people love sports talk radio. It just drives me crazy. I can't listen to it. So Well, we have Dave from Cincinnati on the line, Jason. All right. He's going to let Dave. you know what he thinks. <laughs> Dave, is the caller there? You're on the air. Oh, he's, he's, he's dropped off. And we dropped the line. You dropped the yeah. line, turn, Sir, turn your, turn your podcast radio down. <laughs> We can't, the feedback is awful. Turn the live stream down before you, anyway. Um, listener Pascal, I believe his name was, uh, had lots of Apple logos in it, but I think it's Pascal, uh, said in Canada, um, as soon as Halloween is over, you get Christmas ads and stores sell, start selling Christmas stuff. And I, I just wanted to mention this as this, this furthers my theory of the Thanksgiving firewall, because in Canada, Thanksgiving happens before Halloween. So Halloween is the last holiday before Christmas. And once Halloween is done, in comes the Christmas stuff. Whereas in the U.S., it really is. I mean, it's not. There are people doing it who jump the gun, but there's generally, I think it's accepted. Everybody on on my block put up their holiday lights on Thanksgiving night or the day after, uh, that was the official start of it. So in Canada, you get a longer Christmas season because your Thanksgiving is in the middle of like May. So yeah, I know it's in October. I was there. I was there. I was in Canada for Canadian Thanksgiving. I got two Thanksgivings this year. Although one of them wasn't that exciting because I just uh, went to the airport and flew home. Oh. Yeah. That's not exciting at all, is it? 
No, I should have had t- turkey somewhere. If I had known, if I had known that I was going to be in Canada on Canadian Thanksgiving, I would have stayed an extra day and had a Canadian Thanksgiving feast because that would be how cool would it be to have two Thanksgivings? You had none. I would have had two. Oh, I had one. Did I tell you? About oh, this? oh, I saw. It. So yes. Oh, now I'm I'm way too excited for this. But yes, you went. You tweeted like a picture of a drink that was served in a cup that looked like a turkey leg. Uh-huh. I did. I sure did. So this is very peculiar. So I I, I met some friends. Uh, we went and had our beards groomed um, before <laughs> before a weekend away. Beard, beards dot groom. Uh-huh. Yeah, that could be a domain. I just came grooming back. dot beard. I don't know. I right. just came back from a grooming dot bear. Uh, I just came back from a, a <laughs> like a, a stag weekend, like a bachelor party uh, for a weekend, and a few of us went to have our beards groomed uh, prior. Mm. So uh, I had um, I had Thanksgiving. I have a Thanksgiving dinner uh, at a American restaurant, which we didn't know was happening. We were going to this place. It sold like ribs and stuff like that. So we we're going to go there. We arrived and said so we've got a set menu today, and it's Thanksgiving. Right, and uh, so basically, uh, would you like to know to know what I had? Because I, I took yes, a photo yes. of the menu. I had uh, pumpkin and squash soup to start. Valid. Um, I had um, farm pit smoked turkey. Okay, smoked which, turkey, which that's, is great. That's, that is absolutely legitimate. Brown sugar and bourbon candied sweet potatoes. All right, that's what we said. Um, that's that's your uh, your sweet sweet potato dish, which was absolutely amazing. <laughs> ah, loved it. Creamed spinach. Okay. Uh, roast garlic, dirty mash. I don't know why it's called uh, dirty yeah. mash. Um, homemade cranberry sauce, mm-hmm. and a fresh baked pumpkin pie for for dessert. And it was one of the greatest meals I've ever had. <laughs> I can that's see legit. why everyone is so excited uh, about Thanksgiving. Um, and yeah. I, I will put a couple of photos of my Thanksgiving uh, meal into the show notes for people, including the turkey leg cocktail drink. I'm so there. proud of you. You de- you did it. I'm you pretty did proud it. of myself. You had honest. American Thanksgiving. No, we we were. Um, I was looking at those pictures actually. I think as I was making the Thanksgiving dinner here, um, and you know we were working the night before. We cooked some stuff. Um, I had to brine the turkey, so I, I did all that the night before, and the turkey sits in a five-gallon bucket in the corner of my garage for overnight, soaking in this giant, you know, vat of brine. And then, you know, on the day, I mean, we made, we had cranberry sauce, we made, uh, we roasted the turkey, we had a uh, a cornbread uh, cornbread dressing, which is sort of like a stuffing, but you don't put it in the bird, you cook it separately in a cast iron skillet. We had the mashed potatoes, we had, uh, we had Brussels sprouts, this really great... Mm balsamic um roasted brussels sprouts dish that was they were gone they were completely gone they were demolished um some rolls because my son demanded rolls um uh, a uh, a sweet potato and cranberry uh, casserole that was really popular yeah it was great but that's the kind of stuff so and it's it's fun to do that we don't you know we don't have a feast like that that often that's the sort of thing unless you have servants who are making something for you um that's it's quite a thing it's quite a treat to have something with that many dishes and we had like 11 people so yeah, I might, i'm glad you got to experience it a little bit i might try and do it do it next year because i enjoyed it immensely um that's good now you you described the place you went as an american restaurant is that a thing yes what what what's it called <laughs> Uh, this place was, I think, was called the Big Easy. All right. Um. Yep. The Big Easy. 
Uh, well, and, and there are other places. I mean, yeah, we have chain restaurants, right? So we have like TGI Fridays, which is considered to be a American restaurant, right? Right. Because well, you know, for you guys, it's just like whatever. But it's an, right. Yeah, that's true. No, you're right. You're right. I just it's it's strange to have that idea that somebody is is in another country is is eating a uh, you know a menu from a menu that is. Um, supposedly representative of your country's uh, food. It's just kind of funny. I, I, you know, the Chinese feel this way all the time. I assume. <laughs> so, I, I, I now now know how they feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just fascinating. That's fascinating. I should go to an American restaurant sometime. You I, should. I, I recommend England. them, especially at Thanksgiving. Right. Okay. Good to know. Were there Americans there? Were they? The, were there Americans participating yes. in? A far off Thanksgiving. Yeah, there were lots of Americans there. Mm. I think that's the reason that most of these places do that um, is to cater for Americans in London who yeah. would like a Thanksgiving meal, um, who don't want to uh, to do kind of cook for themselves or or whatever, because it might just be you know for two people or something. All right, that's good to know. Thank you for that uh, Thanksgiving update. That was our that was our uh, Thanksgiving vertical. We'll retire it for a year, but it'll be back. Canadians, it'll be back even sooner than you expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last, because we're still in the follow-up, one last piece of follow-up. This is worse than ATP now. Um, Listener Gary, this is just a quick one. I made an aside about the Farmcast podcast about farming. He said, I worked for a web host in the early 90s that con- con- that contracted for Meredith Publishing. They did market research at the time to choose which of their magazines to put on the web first, and agriculture.com won out. I've got friends that write APIs for tractors, so a farm cast could get a lot more nerdy than you think. Imagine plant and analyze, and you're right in the ballpark. (laughs) So there's a farm cast update from listener Gary. Plant plant and analyze. You should start that, that. Yeah, yeah. New new podcast niche podcast networks, farming vertical. I'm telling you, there's something. And and if I wasn't dissing the farmcast, I I like I said, I grew up on 50 acres and we had cows and horses and a pig at one point and chickens and I I I am uh, from I am from the rural parts, so I am not dissing the farmcast. I just think thought that was a funny combination of farming and podcasts because. You know, I wasn't thinking about that before. That's it. That's the that's the follow up. We're done. Should Great. we sign off now, Mike? Yep. See you later. <laughs> <sighs> what what else should we talk about? So, I apologize to the person who said we were navel gazy because we're going to talk about podcasts <laughs> oh, no. again. Just a little bit. This is something that is becoming. Okay, so the, the the joke at the moment is podcasts are alive having been dead, right? That's the current joke. Um, and, and I can see why this joke is happening uh, because there are lots of... There are lots of articles being written and new podcasts occurring and, and it's popping up all over the place in mainstream media and that kind of thing, right? But it is very interesting right now to look at what's going on and, and I'm reminded of when Twitter was becoming popular and all of the tech podcasts that I listened to only spoke about Twitter. It was all there was to talk about. Right. It was just the hot button topic at the moment. Unfortunately to everybody listening to podcasts, the current hot topic is podcasting. Podcasts. (laughs) And the thing is, and the problem is for the majority of our listeners and for us, the people making them, 
we've been doing it for years and now the conversation is happening. Yeah. Um, but we, there are things to say. We have things to say. There is a conversation which I think requires, not requires, but calls for some intervention, especially from people that are uh, making them, you know, like myself and Jason. So we're going to talk about it again. And I'm sure we'll talk about it again on a future episode. Yeah, but I, but I would say, and, and uh, there we may get to some other stuff later, that I would say we're well aware of the fact that this is podcasters talking about podcasting, and we'll try to keep it um, as as light as possible. Also keeping in mind kind of a slow news period, other than unless we wanted to do a whole podcast about what sales are out there right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a thing that people were talking about way more than I expected. Um and so I think we should talk about it at least a little bit. There's a great summation that we'll put in the show notes that's by um, Alvaro Serrano. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name there, but at analogsenses.com. That he wrote The Ultimate Guide to Podcasting Guides, where he links to all of the different articles that have been written on this subject. That's perfect. Uh, that was a very helpful thing. Um, so I feel like I, I definitely had a part in starting this because, um, what happened was on Thanksgiving, Amazon did a, uh, a gold box deal. So a, a limited time deal on the, on the Yeti, which is the microphone I've been using for about two years now to do all of my podcasting. And it was 79 bucks. And for a, a long time, I've just said, look, I think this is a, a really great, um, combination of of quality for value that it's not as cheap as some other microphones but it has some advantages um it sounds better than like the blue snowball it's got a hardware mute button it's got a hardware volume button and it's got a headphone jack and that is a that is a big deal because then you can hear yourself and you know when you sound bad which i think actually is a huge contributor to people making uh better sounding podcasts is hearing their own voice while they're recording and realize oh i'm not facing toward the microphone or there's a terrible sound behind me that I need to shut down in some way so that people can't hear that or I need to reposition my microphone. And the Yeti also, has all of those things. The yeah. Yeti has these other settings in which you can record in multiple different environments. Right. So right. It's can... got a it's got a two across so that you can have two people on either side of the microphone and record a conversation. It's got a omnidirectional. Um yeah, it's 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 a again, it's a, it's not the best microphone that's out there by a long shot, but it's not uh it, it's not bad. And uh, certainly two years ago when I was shopping for microphones, I thought it was the best combination. I've had since, and this was part of the conversation, uh, a couple people point out that there are, um, there's in particular, there is a dynamic microphone, which is the kind that I think the pros generally prefer because dynamic microphones pick up less background noise. There's a mi- dynamic microphone from Audio-Technica, I think, that's like 59 bucks, and it's a USB microphone, um, and it's got a headphone jack. And I haven't tried it, but um, it, it comes recommended by some really smart people. And that might be a perfectly, uh, that might be the best entry level, high quality microphone now and not the Yeti. Um, but the reason that I kind of got mad on on Thanksgiving night, I posted this uh, deal and then I had a bunch of people say, um, I don't consider that an acceptable microphone. <laughs> and, and some of it was, I don't consider that a microphone for, for professionals, which uh, bugged me because what they're really saying there is, well, first off, I didn't say it was for professionals. In fact, recommending a $79 microphone 
is perhaps uh, in itself not a recommendation for professionals. It was really, I was really thinking of people who want to get a better microphone than they've got, but are never going to spend more than $100. So uh, it kind of bugged me that people come out of the woodwork to point out, well, that microphone's fine, but it's not a professional microphone. You shouldn't you know, really use it for that. And two, it bugs me because I've used the uh, this microphone for two years. I take pride in the sound quality of my podcast. It is absolutely good enough to be used professionally. Now, it may not be the best microphone for a professional, and I could certainly upgrade my podcast gear, and I may, in fact, do that soon. But to say that it's not possible to use it, and that somebody who's doing even professional-level stuff just shouldn't ever bother, is I mean, it's provably wrong. I'm doing professional podcasting with it. So um, that set me on my rant that I've had. I've I've done that rant before. Um, There was a time, and this he doesn't say this anymore, but there was a time when anytime people talked about microphones, Dan Benjamin would say, you can't do a podcast without a dynamic mic. And at the time, that meant spending $250. And that always bugged the crap out of me because that, you know, I was speaking at a, at a sci-fi convention a couple years ago, and I mentioned the blue snowball for $50 and people were horrified. I was like, oh my God, these people don't even want to spend $50 on a microphone. They want to use their earbuds or they want to use, turns out this is actually a really good tip. They want to plug in their um, rock band microphone. That's actually not a bad idea. That that would be better than nothing. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I had a couple people say, you know, I do a podcast with a rock band microphone. It sounds okay. I'm like, all right, that's interesting. Or a headset mic. And and that was my point was I feel like audio is so intimidating already, and having people in who are already doing podcasting say you know, really, unless you're willing to spend a lot of money on all of this fiddly hardware stuff that you don't even understand right now, you shouldn't even bother. It's just erecting more barriers to people coming into the medium. And I'm sensitive to that because I feel like this is a medium that's really young, that it needs more voices. And that uh, I think it's a danger when we start talking about all the podcasts end up being from people who are professional stand-up comedians or NPR personalities or other broadcast personalities, and not uh, interesting people from other other places. And as somebody who started doing podcasting regularly four years ago, I don't I don't want to be one of those people who says, well, now that I'm here, let's shut the door and not let anyone else in. I love the fact that this is a, a really democratic medium and that somebody who's got something interesting to say should be able to say it. Now, there were a lot of posts about this. I, I don't want to be misunderstood as saying it doesn't matter if your podcast sounds crappy. It totally matters. I've turned off podcasts from really good professional people in their line of work because the sound was awful. There was one in particular that it was like a guy um, in an echoey room, like in an echo chamber, talking on a speakerphone to somebody somewhere else on a really bad telephone line. And I was like, I can't listen to this. It's terrible. But what I am saying is um, I don't want the insistence on audio quality to be such a barrier that people just say, look, I'm not going to bother. I'm too intimidated by all the technical things that go into a podcast. I figure if you dive in, uh, you'll learn. And as you go, you will be, if you truly love it and want to do it, you will be dissatisfied if it doesn't sound good and you will work to make it sound better and you'll learn. And that the net effect of people saying, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't do a podcast unless you've got hundreds of dollars worth of equipment is to turn people off from from starting. And I don't like that because this is the kind of medium that we should we should be letting it be letting people um, get in fairly easily. And then, yeah, some of them, it'll sound bad or they won't really be committed and they'll give up. But what I don't want is somebody who's really got something great to say to say, I'm not going to bother saying it because I'm not going to spend uh, hours and hours and hundreds of dollars making this setup. 
Because then you get fall into that audiophile trap where you're like, you've spent a lot of money, or a computer person can do this too, spend a lot of money on equipment and then don't have anything to say. I, I think that's backward. Do it the other way. I used the Yeti for years. Um, and and I, I recommend it, not because it's the best microphone, but I think that it gives you more than than anything else does at that price range. And I recommend it because it's one that I've used. I've not used all of the others. So, I mean, I, I'm the same as right. you. Like, whenever yeah. I see that Amazon flash sale for 70 bucks, which they do every few months for the EIT, um, I always make sure that I tell people about it. Because if you're even mildly interested, you should just drop those $70 and keep it and then use it for another day. You know, like I, I have a bunch of, of, of people like that friends, like bloggers and stuff who I've recommended to buy it because if you ever get invited onto a show, it's really great to have it rather yeah. than like using the Apple uh, earpods or something. Which Right, exactly. Which I, exactly. you know, if, if I call someone on Inquisitive and they don't have a mic, then I tell them to just plug that in. Because, I mean, you know, and there are many people that will tell you that you should uh, write ahead and you should ask them to get it. I don't do that because I don't think that's fair um, to say, would you like to take an hour of your day for free to be on, on my show? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, could you spend $150 uh, on a microphone. Well, ideally, you'd eventually have a budget where you'd have like a, a bunch of microphones that would just be shipped in advance and then with return postage, and they would take it out of the box and plug it in and all that. But you know, yeah. that's ridiculous, and nobody's going to do that. I know people I, that have done that, but that I don't know. Even then, that seems interesting. Over the course of time, um, as we were doing the incomparable, uh, we everybody started to upgrade their equipment. A lot of people got Yetis. Um, but I've still got a couple panelists who use headset mics and they don't, I can tell, but they sound okay. And, um, you know, it, it's, I, I don't know. Again, if you're somebody who's doing this for a living and you're concerned about audio quality, yes, you could probably invest in higher quality gear. But, um, you know, I just, my bigger, my bigger point was just like, it's so easy to mystify things like tech people, right? We deal with people who are afraid of computer stuff, right? Our, our, our relatives, our parents are like, oh, I don't know how to get that to work. I don't know why the printer's doing this. And you realize that, you know, we know all this secret stuff and it's super intimidating to them. Anytime audio is a, a really weird technical, um, area and, I mean, some of that stuff really intimidates me. I'm still trying to get a lot better at it and learn a lot of stuff about, Same. you know, EQ and compression and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But, uh, you know, I, I just feel like to get a wider range of voices, you want to encourage people to try. And the the technical jargon and uh, barriers scares people. And that that was really my only point. I, I think you should take pride in what you create. And I think that if somebody um, gets into podcasting and really loves it and has no budget, then um, when they started, then as they go, they're going to be like, oh, I, how do I make this better? And they're going to work on that. But I, I don't think, uh, you know, I think we need to be wary that we're creating a, uh, you know, a bunch of people in white lab coats who are saying, sorry, you don't pass the test. You can't come in. Because that's that's the part that concerns me. And it, it's true. It, it actually, one of the great things about this is like Dan Benjamin now recommends a like an $80 microphone as a starter microphone. And he, he recommends a different one from the Yeti and a different one from the condenser. His is actually, or from the dynamic, his is actually a condenser, which is a, a sign of a change in, in Dan's view of, of this, I, I, I would say, because he was always very negative about condensers when I would talk to him about it. But um, the fact that those microphones 
uh, are down in price to like an $80 one and a $50 one, that's great because that means that one of the barriers here, which was you really can't buy a good microphone for less than $50 or $100, has changed. And that's that's great because now, yes, now you can buy a good microphone. That said, if you buy a good microphone and you don't have good microphone technique and you're in an echoey room, <laughs> it's going to sound bad anyway. <laughs> so there's so many different things about making podcasts sound good. Um, but my point is, if you really love it and you care about it, you should do it. And then as you go, you will learn how to make it better. Yeah, yeah. That's my... That's my thing. Uh, and definitely uh, the Analog Senses post is worth looking at if you're interested in this subject because it's got links to all of the all of the stuff. And I feel like sort of everybody was in violent agreement. Um, everybody's got their own particular axe to grind here. Like, you know, Mark Arment is very much like, uh, uh, look, you can do good sound quality. You should do good sound quality. Even on, on the cheap, you can you can make your podcast sound better. And he's totally right. I, I don't I don't dispute that at all. He's He's absolutely right. So I think it was all okay in the end but um you know i i would that was the thing that set me off was i i feel like you get professional podcasters who are basically trying to close the doors and say don't come in anybody else you don't you're not qualified to do this and that drives me crazy because um you know it's a little, you know, we all started this recently too, right? Mm-hmm. Even the people who've been doing the podcasting the longest haven't been doing it that long. So maybe we should welcome other voices and not try to close them off um, artificially. So that was that was my point. <sighs> should we talk about uh, a friend now? Yeah, let's do, do that. What friend should we talk about now, Mike? Jason, why don't you tell me a little bit about MailRoute? MailRoute. All right. I love these guys. They are a friend. MailRoute helps me with my mail every single day. So, Mike, I want you to picture, we're going to do some visualization exercises here. I want you to picture a world Mm -hmm. without spam or viruses Ah, or bounced email. How lovely it is. Isn't that nice? Does that give you a warm feeling? This is such a nice place over here. Imagine opening your email and seeing only the legitimate email that you want and need to receive and not any other junk cluttering your inbox. Oh, hello, legitimate email. Yes, exactly. Ahoy, email. <laughs> well, MailRoute can make this a daily reality and does for me. No more spam. And the beauty of how MailRoute works is you don't have to install any hardware or software. MailRoute does it all. What it does is it sits between you and your email and sorts it itself and delivers only clean email to your inbox. Now, it's easy to set up. I set it up in a matter of, I think, 10 minutes. It's reliable. I've never had a problem with MailRoute in the year, year and a half I've been using it. Maybe two years now. Wow. Uh, and it is trusted by the largest universities and corporations. If you're a, 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 a regular old user, you'll find that the interface is super simple and effective. There's a great web interface. There's an email that they can send you with what what got filtered out. One click to whitelist it. One click to deliver it. But I get so few false negatives. Um, that that email is more of a formality now than anything else. Um, If you are an administrator or an IT professional thinking about uh, using MailRoute for your organization, they've got all the tools for you. They've They've got an API for easy account management. They support LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, mail bagging. I don't even know what mail bagging is. It terrifies me, but they support it. I'm so glad about, they do because I'm, I'm all about mail bagging. And, and well, actually, this is the next thing they support is going to be one of your favorites. They support outbound relay. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. Everything you'd want from the people handling your mail if you are an admin or IT professional. But if you're a regular person like me, works great too. Super simple web interface. 
So remove spam from your life for good with MailRoute. Go to MailRoute.net slash upgrade. Easy to remember. For a free trial and 10% off for the lifetime of your account. And thank you so much to MailRoute for sponsoring Upgrade and for filtering all the spam out of my email. Thanks, MailRoute. Seems like the perfect time of year to be thinking about email spam because we're already getting so much email we don't want this time of year. So much. Um, it's nice to, to know that there are people out there that can help you at least reduce some of that. So there you go. Yep. Thank you, MailRoute. Thank you. Being a friend to my inbox. So we've been going a long time. I feel like maybe we should just jump to uh, some listener Q&A. Before mm-hmm. the show, you you announced on Twitter that we were running light on topics, which ironically now we could have done two hours without this. But we're going to push some topics to next week. And instead, we're going to enter the lightning round. I wish I had a sound effect for you. <laughs> okay, there we go. We got one. <laughs> I'll yes. do all the sound effects it here seems live. Like, Jason, there are, there are lots of things that people want us to talk about. Um, Indeed. And and we and it's good because you know you were mentioning like when we talk about the podcast stuff, it is that time of year. It is the quiet time of year. So maybe this is a time when we should uh, fall back to what actually, funnily enough, what actually people want to hear us talk about, which is a, an interesting sentence. Whilst mm-hmm. I'm whilst I was putting these together and I was using the official Twitter for Mac client to drag mm. and drop the uh, the tweets so they embedded quite nicely in our Google Drive app, which was a, a tip I got from you. I did think to myself, is there a way, is there a better way uh, to to try and get these kind of questions coming through on a more regular basis? I don't know. So again, another question for the audience. I know ah. some people use like subreddits and stuff like that, which which I haven't uh, looked into. It's kind of um, scary. Yeah, I, I'm not really a Reddit user at all. Um, it's, it's something I've never no. really gotten into. I feel like I would uh, probably lose all of my productivity. Mm. Being well, that, that's a good piece of feedback for people out there. What would be a good way for us to have a uh, kind of like a flood of uh, of topic suggestions on maybe yeah. the, the the morning that we're doing the the podcast? Is the is Twitter the best way, or is there some other way to generate you know a form? We I mean we could do like a Google form or something. It's not that exciting though. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. There there are many. I'm sure there are many options. I'd like to see what people think. It might be something right. that we've never heard of. So the first the first question that we have, these are all these are all via Twitter, so I will do my best to read uh, Twitter names. This is at Eda Ross or E D A Ross. He's interested in his question was selling your advertising space on sites and podcasts. So I guess we've yeah. both it's started not really doing a que- this. question. I guess let's talk about this. Yeah. Although also by the way, one of the weaknesses of the Twitter app for Mac is that it brings across their username but not their actual name. So then I have to double check and sort of enter in that it's listener ed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um which you didn't do, so we don't know who these people are. But that's okay. Um selling your advertising space on your site's podcasts. Um what do you want to say about that, Mike? So, I think the interesting thing is how this has changed for me and how like now I'm I'm doing it on my own. I mean when I was a part of five by five, it was a very nebulous process. Like the ads arrived in the document, uh in the in the calendar, and then I went and found the ad scripts and I read them. But the, the interesting thing about this stuff for me now is I'm doing a hundred percent of it. So well, not a hundred percent. We we do have the mid roll help us as well mm-hmm. with some of our stuff. But I do the the vast majority, over three quarters, if not more, um, of the ad sales for Relay FM at the moment. Uh and 
it's an interesting process. I there are parts of it that I do really enjoy. I I do very much love the thrill of getting the sale. Um, that is a great feel. For like to 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 get off a call and you've just you know you've just booked three months worth of sponsorships. That's mm-hmm. a nice feeling. Um, but you know, and and I also like knowing exactly where the money is coming from and where the money is in the chain, and then I can communicate that to you guys as well, right? Um, it's also interesting writing the ad copy myself, and I like that a lot. Um, I like writing my own ad scripts or my own talking points because they're written by me for my voice, which I quite like. Mm. Um, I, I don't take like canned reads from, from advertisers as it stands at the moment because uh, I like to be able to to put them in my own voice because we go to companies or that either I use or I believe in or I think are really interesting. So I want to say what I want to say about them. And that's why with the mail route ads, we have Jason um, do those ones because I don't use mail route, um, mm. but you do. So yes. it makes a lot more sense for that ad to come from you because you are a customer. So yeah, and we have a forthcoming sponsor that only works in the US and so I'm going to do that ad too because mm-hmm. you have no I may quiz you again like we did with Thanksgiving but that's really I'm going to do that one because it makes sense. I, I can use that product and you can't. Exactly. And so yeah, it's a, I like these I like this sort of interesting um different things that I get to think about now now that I do them myself it does add a level of stress but that stress is always there and in a way i'm more happy doing it myself because i have a control over the stress you know like for example right. uh we had some free months in december a lot of bigger companies start to re- to look at their budgets for next year people want to talk about next year now uh, rather than the next couple of weeks um so today i sent some emails to some smaller companies that we that we work with and have been able to sell some spots on that you know so it's like okay if the, if I was just looking at that calendar, I would be getting a bit freaked out. But because I'm able to affect it, I just sent some emails out today. You know, I, I like nice. that. I like that that feeling. How about you? How are you finding the sponsorships on Six Colors? I am. Uh, I'm not a fan of of sales stuff because I come from this editorial background, and I am not a I'm not a salesperson. Um, I don't want to be a salesperson. Six Colors has been so far a sales success in that we sold out through all of 2014 every week got sold and every week got sold by people coming to me and saying I would like to sponsor your site that's uh that's a real tough sales challenge for me it's pretty <laughs> I nice, mean, nice I, position I do have to, to be in <laughs> I I did have to set a rate and I set a rate that I thought was optimistic and I managed to sell um you know every week out by quoting that rate to people and mostly they paid it um you know, I I did a I did a, a couple of like bulk deals for people who bought multiple weeks, but uh, uh, in fact, that business one hundred and one, I I raised my rates <laughs> because if I sold out at that rate, I should probably charge more. Um, and I got good feedback from people, and so that's fine. But I I what I've said uh, um several times to people who've asked is if it comes to the point where I really need to beat the bushes to get weekly sponsorships, I'm going to find somebody to sell the sponsorships for me because it's not worth it for me. I do not want to spend my time selling sponsorships. That's just not, I have other things I would like to do with my life than, uh, and create more stuff and not sell sponsorships. So if it comes to that point, I'll do what I do for my other podcasts that are, um, that like the incomparable, which is I've got somebody, um, in that case, it has been Dan Benjamin and now it's going to be, um, the mid roll. Um, it was actually Dan and the mid roll for a while. Then it was just Dan and a little bit from Moises Chuyan. And now it's going back to the mid roll. 
Um, and they just, they handle it and I don't have to worry about it. And that's just, some people like that. I, I don't deny the fact that when I get the phone call from somebody who says, we want to talk to you about sponsoring six colors and we end up with, uh, you know, uh, an agreement to sponsor three or four weeks of six colors in 2015 that I don't, um, get that feeling of like, yes, you know, afterward, but it's not for me. That is not my thing. So, um, so that's, I basically am relying on people coming to me. And I love those people who are approaching me about six colors and saying, we'd like to sponsor you. And, uh, and then otherwise I have other people, uh, selling the, the ads for me and yeah. that's fine. I hate sales. Um, I've always hated sales. I used to be in a, be in a sales role for a while. Um, <laughs> But I really don't feel like I have to sell this very hard. Um, all of the companies that I talk to, they're very much, we want to help support you. We love what you do. That's not a hard sell. Um, the, the hardest kind of thing that I have to do is, would you like to buy an extra week? Like that's kind right. of as hard as it gets. Uh, I don't know if we're just lucky at this stage or maybe I'm maybe I'm not charging enough. Uh, I'm very happy with the with the rates that we have right now. I'm I'm uh, if anybody cares, I'm currently making more money than I've ever made. Wow. I think that might make people happy to know that this is going very successfully for us. Uh, and and I'm also not I'm not I'm breaking not. the back of. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jason. I'll I'll give you more. Uh, and I'm I'm not breaking my back over it either. So right. it's that's good. I'm By the way, you're, happy you're, with the way it's working. You're terrible at lightning rounds. Yeah, I know, right? Okay, Let's lightning round. Uh, this is so lightning, you don't even really get to answer this one. Um, this is from N. Beathy. I'm really going with the Twitter names. Not mm -hmm. a tech topic. I'm interested in hearing what you think of the Star Wars teaser. I've never heard Mike talk about Star Wars. Uh, you're not allowed to answer this because you've already done that. Um, That's the incomparable.com slash 222. Uh, an excellent uh, episode of The Incomparable uh, with you and uh, John Syracuse and uh, Dan Warren and as Dan well. Warren, yep. um, I really enjoyed, I said this to you privately, I enjoyed hearing uh, John and Dan duel over Star Wars mm -hmm. trivia. Like, I know more than you yeah. know, I know more yep. than you. I know all about that. I know what that sound is. I that, really may be the least, that. Th that may be the least I've ever spoken in an Incomparable episode because <laughs> those guys are just... They were beside themselves about Star Wars. So there, I let them. I there's let them one. There's one specific argument about the origin of a sound effect, which I was so entertained by. Um, but I'm very excited. I am, of course, a Star Wars fan. I am not uh, like devout. I've seen all the movies. I like the correct ones. Um, mm -hmm. I've but never seen the Despecialized, for example. Oh. The, uh, because I've I've never hunted it down, and also when I grew up there was no <laughs> T-Specialized sure. edition. Because um, I think, well, I actually did see first see it on VHS tape, but um, then kind of came into mind with DVD copies was when I was, when I saw Star Wars the most. Um, I don't necessarily like the the uh, prequels. Uh, I don't hate them in the same way that some people do, but I definitely don't like them. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not mm -hmm. like, I, d I don't, you know, begrudge people watching them. Uh, but I'm very excited about the new Star Wars stuff. I am a big fan of J.J. Abrams' work. I think the Star Trek uh, series is fantastic. Um, and I really enjoy those. I love all his other stuff as well. I'm very excited. I think the the broadsword uh, lightsaber is awesome. Uh, I am one of those people that look at that and I'm like, that's really interesting. <laughs> uh, I subscribe to the exhaust theory um, that you I have. 
and I just think it looks really cool. I I think I look at that and I'm like, well, maybe this is a a Sith who's kind of doesn't really know what he's doing, and mm. this is what he's stumbled upon because he's in a forest, right? I assume he's just been living in the forest for a while, and he's built a lightsaber out of wood or something, and it's not. Yeah, he's a hermit. Well. Hermit. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. yes, I'm very excited, I, and I love the fact now that Disney owns them because I love the thought of a Star Wars universe in the way that we have the Marvel universe. Yeah, I agree. Today. Good one, good one. And listen to the incomparable 222 if you want to hear people talk for more than an hour about 80 seconds of trailer. Jack Brewster and Aaron Isaacs would both like recommendations on comics to read in Marvel Unlimited because I think people are bringing this up because you just wrote a piece on Six Colors. Yes. Um, promoting yes, th- the incredible th- th- sale. Yeah, as as we record this, there's a 75 cent uh, teaser sale for one month of Marvel Unlimited, and you're signing up so that you know month two will be billed at 9.99, and it's there's a because there's a 10 dollar month tier, and then you can also just buy a whole year for for 70 dollars. Um, and I wrote last week. I wrote a, a kind of kind of gift guide post about Marvel Unlimited, which I I wholeheartedly endorse as a service. Um, comics are expensive, new comics especially, but even used, you know, not used old digital comics are still a couple dollars each. And Marvel Unlimited, if you like Marvel comics, uh, it's access to uh, just a huge number of um, of Marvel comics from their history and from the recent past, not. Uh, the ones that are for sale this month, but like like Netflix, it's stuff that's been out for a little while, and um, you know I I can read one storyline in a you know in a in a day or over a weekend, and in Marvel Unlimited, and then I count how much money it would have cost to buy those issues, and it's like fifty dollars easily. So I think it I think if you read two um, story arcs or runs of something in the year that you pay you paid uh, seventy dollars for it, you've saved money. Honestly, and so it's changed my reading habits. I buy very, very few, some, but very few new Marvel comics now, and a lot of the other stuff that's going on, I'm like, yeah, I'll read that in six months on Unlimited. Um, so best things to read were the sort of uh, uh, suggestions here. Um, my standards, I mean, Hawkeye is on there, and the, the Hawkeye comic is great if people oh, haven't read that love yet. That. Love that so much. That's great. And the guys who did that, Matt Fraction and uh, uh, David Aha. Uh, or David Aha, or I, I can never, he has some, some of his names are Spanish and some of them aren't as Spanish. Um, anyway, they did a comic with uh, Ed Brubaker, who's a really good comics writer as well. They did a run on uh, Iron Fist, I believe, was it Mortal Iron Fist? That is really great. And uh, I'm not a, like Hawkeye, Iron Fist, not really an appreciated superhero in the Marvel Universe, but they did a great uh, run of, I think, like 20 or 24 issues that was really good. So I recommend that. Um, and I don't know. And this is, this is all kind of happening <laughs> awfully fast. So um, beyond that, I, I read the infinity event. One of the things that the Marvel unlimited lets you do is they actually create little playlists of, of these events that span multiple books. So it can get really confusing about what the reading order should be. And I read their infinity event from last year, which is mostly Avengers and new Avengers and uh, I really liked it. It was sort of a sci-fi event. It was more everybody against an oncoming uh, cosmic enemy instead of, uh, you know, supervillains versus heroes kind of usual. And so it was more of a sci-fi plot. And um, I'm not generally predisposed to like comic book crossover events, but I felt like this one, it really had, it was the same writer for all of it. It was really only in two different books that most of the story was being told. And I thought that was really good. And I read that over a weekend and again, that was one of those things where that was probably $45 worth of comics that I read. And 
you know, I, I had already paid my annual fee, so it was just free at that point. So maybe check that out too. I don't really have any um, recommendations. I've thumbs up on Hawkeye. <laughs> love Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah. Uh, I have. I kind of fell out of love of comics a bit just because of the expense. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I really like about this is being able to just sort of try things that I wouldn't, you know, they'd say, oh, we're introducing this new comic. I thought, well, that sort of sounds interesting, but I'm I'm not going to spend, like, I read Avengers Arena, which is an interesting idea. It's like Arcade uh, um, kidnaps a bunch of uh, young Avengers and puts them in Murder World, essentially, and and it's like the Hunger Games with superheroes. And they try, they're trying to get out like the hunger games. They're trying to figure out, you know, do we have to play this game or not? How do we get out of here? And, uh, that was okay. That was, that was, I kind of enjoyed reading it and I would never have bought it when it came out. I was like, nope, not interested at all. But, um, as part of Marvel to just try it out and see if I like it and then read through 10 issues really fast and say, oh, that was fun and move on. Um, you know, that, that, that's really dangerous when you have to buy every issue, <laughs> but it's not with Marvel Unlimited. So that's one of the reasons that I, I, I like it a lot. Have you seen the movie Battle Royale? No, it's on my list. That's the, that's the, that's the what Korean this is based or on. Japanese movie. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Well, it's all, it's all in Hunger Games is the same premise and mm-hmm. it's all kind of combined together. Um, I'll put in a plug for Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, the original Brian Michael Bendis, Ultimate Spider-Man going back, I mean, he's still writing it, but going back 10 years to when they started that um, with uh, with Ultimate Peter Parker, that's a great series. That's my favorite comic series of the last 10 or 15 years where they're retelling Spider-Man from the beginning and taking their time and doing it without the encumbrance of the existing kind of Marvel continuity. And there's there's like 150 issues of that. So if you haven't read that, I would go back and read that all with Marvel Unlimited. It's great. How far back can you... Oh, so how recent is what I'm looking for? How recent are the comics on Marvel Unlimited? I think, so. I, I think they're, the, the lag is like six to nine months. Mm. I I would pay. I mean, I'm sure everybody would. I would pay more if they would just give me everything. That's yeah, but they just now. know they know they make a lot of money from people who are the hardcore comics fans who are buying, you know, it when it comes out at full price. Yeah. And like with Netflix, you know, I'm sure everybody would love Netflix their Netflix subscription to have every movie that's released on it, right? Of course. And the moment and the moment it's released on video, but you couldn't ha- make a service with that. So this is the balance of it. I I found that the that uh, release window has gotten a lot closer. I think it used to be more like two years or a year and a half, and now it feels more like it's six months. Um, and I think they're using it as a, as a, uh, I think they see value in releasing more new comics because if you really get into it, then you reach the end of the unlimited line. And if you want to keep reading, you've got to go buy the issues. And I think they see that there's a marketing benefit to that. Like if you, they want people in the new Ms. Marvel, one way they can do that is by releasing a few issues of the new Ms. Marvel. And then once you're into it, maybe you're going to go switch over and use the Marvel app or Comixology or something else to buy the current issues, um, which I, I think maybe some people do. So they, they've obviously made a calculation about it, but totally worth the $70 if you like Marvel Comics because you could just read. That could be your, if, if, you, if you really like Marvel Comics, it could be your only purchase of comics for a whole year and you would have plenty to read. You just have to not pay attention to websites that are telling you about the latest whatever. You just got to just embrace being six months behind. Is Comixology completely ruined? It's not completely ruined. Oh man, we could do a whole show about this. It's not completely ruined. I actually talked to them at Comic Con, 
in San Diego. Um, I think they were caught by surprise by how, how quickly the Amazon thing happened. My problem, I mean, I don't love the fact that you can't buy comics in the Comixology app anymore, although you can in the DC and Marvel apps that are basically Comixology, but just sense. for those publishers. Well, well, here's the thing. Those publishers can um, swallow the, uh, they're not a middleman, right? That, that's, a, that's a relationship uh-huh. where it's like the publishers and Apple. And so they set a price and Apple takes their 15% or whatever it is. Um, and or 30% or whatever it is. And, um, and the, that's okay. But Comixology in their main app, they're the middleman and they're making all of their money on the, uh, on the markup from wholesale. And, uh, app, then Apple takes the percentage and there's nothing left for them or, or Amazon. And so it's different when it's the publisher, right? Because the publisher can just set the price and there's, and, and presumably they're compensating, uh, Comixology in some other way that maybe, so i think that's the that's the difference there maybe comicsology still makes the same cut but it doesn't matter so much to marvel at that point because there's still more money for them i don't know i don't yeah, know yeah it, it it may be but it's when it's direct it's it's different anyway so i don't think it's totally ruined but um i i am paying i'm buying fewer comics on comicsology i i tend to buy all my comicsology stuff through the web anyway <laughs> honestly because i always thought that the apple and app purchase thing was kind of kind of hinky i always felt like why why am i getting apple involved in this in this uh transaction at all um and so i would often go on the web and just sort of look at the big uh on my on my mac and look at the big images and then click on a bunch of things and add them to my cart and buy them and then later i would just go to my ipad and read them the problem is uh not just that the they've actually improved the ipad web experience for comiXology a lot because they know people can't can't buy on the iPad app. The problem is that the app itself has not been redesigned to reflect reality. Um, the app is essentially the old app with some stuff ripped out of it, and they need to do a much better job of saying, you know, hey, you just bought some comics on the web. Here they are. And right now, there's like there's a tab with a recently uh, purchased menu item, and then you can see what you just bought. And it, it, that part needs to be much better. And they know it. And hopefully they'll they'll do a software release that improves it because that's I think the Comicsology experience, although it's never going to be as good as it was when you could buy in the app, could be way better than it is now if the app was designed um, was redesigned to accept the fact that you're not um, you know you're not buying the comics there and you're buying them elsewhere and then they need to show them to you once you arrive. So they'll get there eventually, but it's too bad. It's a sad thing for this year. Let's take a moment to thank our final friend for this week's episode, and that is Dash. Dash is a super cool website that lets you quickly create real-time custom dashboards. These dashboards allow you to get a visual overview of data that is important for your website, business, or even your life. Dash allows you to pull in data from a variety of different sources around the web. There are dozens of pre-built widgets for services like Twitter, Chartbeat, Pingdom, Google Analytics, GitHub, and many more. And you're also able to display your own custom data in Dash as well. They have an API that allows you to share data from Dropbox or all around the web and create your own custom widgets. So the pricing model for Dash is a lot like GitHub. Everyone gets unlimited public dashboards so that you can share live data with the Dash community. But if you upgrade to their pro account for $10 a month, you'll also get unlimited private dashboards too. These are just for you to see. Now to give you an idea of how these could 
work. You could have a public dashboard which is focused around your favorite sports team. So you could have the sports team's Twitter account in there. You could have Google News stuff and you could have some of the recent things that are going on. And you could have some imagery of like the logo, uh, maybe the current jersey or something for the team. You could have some imagery in there as well because you can add little images in to help personalize your Dash experience. Or maybe you want a private dashboard that focuses on your own stuff. So you could have information from your Wything scale. You can have that pulled right in. You could have your own Twitter account there as well. You could have an Instagram feed so you can see what's happening in Instagram. And maybe some analytics from your own personal website as well. However, Dash is currently running an awesome limited time promotion for you guys. If you sign up for a free account today at thedash.com, you'll also get one private dashboard in addition to your free accounts and limited public dashboards. There's no credit card required and you'll keep your private dashboard for free forever. There is a fanta- This is a fantastic offer that you should definitely be taking advantage of. There's nothing to lose. So go sign up right now at thedash.com. Thank you so much to Dash for supporting us at Relay FM. We love you very much. Yeah, don't go to dash.com. That's a detergent. The, the dash.com. You could go there as well, but it's that they don't help. So go no. to the dash.com. Unless you're after to close. So I've done a terrible job of this lightning round. Um, and we're about three yeah. questions into our 100 questions. Uh, so should okay, we, we're speeding it up. Should we, do a, super, should we do a few more? So Yeah, super lightning. Okay, I have nothing to say on this one. So. Okay. Um, Tiger Matt would like to know uh, Jason's thoughts on tech in sports and how baseball in particular is handling the future, like replay. All right. Um, I think Major League Baseball in the United States, obviously, is doing a great job with technology. They actually set up a company called Major League uh, Baseball Advanced Media, which most of the streaming sports video that you have, live streaming sports video in the U.S., uh, and and actually maybe in the world is run out of Major League Baseball Advanced Media, even other sports. ESPN, their streaming stack is Major League Baseball Advanced Media. It's actually a really cool story about a cool tech startup. The instant replay stuff, I believe, is all leveraged from uh, Major League Baseball Advanced Media's uh, Digital Media Center in New York City, uh, which I went to a few years ago. It's really cool. Um, and they have, they have this insane server farm across the street from their office and i had that moment of like is it really economical to have all these servers here in manhattan <laughs> i mean like surely there's better space somewhere else but no they're in in uh, like chelsea um anyway i'm very impressed with their technology and i think they do a really good job there are always issues there are lots of issues with uh rights for you know cable and satellite tv companies spend a lot of money to save uh themselves from cord cutters by getting exclusive rights which is why you can't sort of stream your home team um I, I I would like I'm a I'm a robot umps uh, and robot uh, officials in general fan and I know a lot of purists don't like that I love I love the game but I'm a uh, I'm a stats guy I'm a stats guy for all of this I love how uh, math and analytics and uh, intelligent viewing of sports changes how we view uh, like I love the New York Times fourth down bot for American football which has analyzed the probabilities of uh, going for it on fourth down. And uh, realizes that coaches are way too conservative and they're actually losing themselves games by not trying 
by not gambling. They're afraid to take a risk, and so they never take a risk, and as a result, they actually are worse off, which I'm fascinated by psychologically and also just from a uh, competitive standpoint. I think it's interesting that you're saving face by doing worse. Um, and then Major League Baseball the same way. I love I love um, all the sabermetric stuff and how we think differently about who good players are now that we have a better idea of um, uh, of what really impacts the game. Although I think we we still haven't cracked it. Uh, there's a guy named Ken Arneson. I'll put his uh, uh, post in the show notes. Who wrote a great piece saying that. Um, uh, that he thinks we're still missing some of the core um, concepts of um, how baseball works uh, because we're not, the, the sabermetric stuff can't measure um, these thought chains about like the pitcher trying to fool the hitter that are actually at the core of the game. So I, I love that stuff. I, and uh, again, this is not very lightning. The last thing I'll say is I think that now that we have uh, computers and cameras that are mounted in all the major league stadiums that can tell where a baseball crosses home plate, that umpires need to stop calling balls and strikes. And so they should give the umpires a little clicker that like tells them whether it's a ball or a strike. And we should remove that human elephant element from the game. Not human elephant. That's something totally different. Uh, because uh, the computers know, and uh, getting it right is is important. And you can you can keep the flavor without uh, without I think ruining the game. So um, I, I, and and you'll get things more right and be more consistent. I think that's a good thing. So that is my sports dump. Uh, did you understand a word of that? We'll, we'll uh, you know we we're still getting up to speed with Thanksgiving, Mike. I don't want to. I don't want to confuse you too much with sports and american sports no less which is terrifying i have literally no idea what you yeah do you do you care about sport sport at all no um okay so it's even worse it's twice removed yeah (laughs) this is american sport and sport i can't even put that information into like football or cricket you know, I, yeah. I I literally have no idea. I know that, like, I hear I hear people explain some of the technology that is lacking from football, and I don't yeah. understand it. Like, for example, there are no sensors on the on the goal lines to see. Right, if and you should be in. able you should be able to do that. And the, the technology exists now, and the fans will demand it eventually. That you you end up having so many uh, decisions that are are. I mean, this happened in the World Series this year, and in baseball in general this year. That um, there were um, they now have instant replay. And the fact is, they get the calls right. And it used to be, an uh, umpire would make a call, or, or and um, or a football referee would make a call, and you would immediately see the instant replay and say, "Oh, they got it wrong." And that was it. You just had to be angry that they got it wrong. And now, when you see they got it wrong, you say, "Oh, well, that'll be overturned. They, they they'll get it right." I feel and, like, yeah, this might be an unpopular thought, but from my perspective, considering it is legal to put money. On these things there shouldn't be allowed to be a margin for error by a referee's yeah. decision like i i agree with you i people talk a lot about the human element and i think a lot of times not the human elephant and they're talking about how oh well you know part of the storytelling is that you get mad because there was a bad call and you lost the game it's like you know what's a better story that everybody got it right and the per- team that yeah. won won because they deserved it that's a better story that's a the human element uh, as code for sometimes people make terrible decisions and we all have to live with it. It's like, what the hell kind of crazy human element is that? So I think getting it right is probably what the priority should be. And I, and again, if, he, if you destroy 
all of the atmosphere and excitement of the of the game by getting it right you're doing it wrong but i think i think that there's a long way to go between getting it right and destroying the game and people who are opposed to getting it right always talk about destroying the game but i i think again having some cameras and sensors in in a goal to verify that that goal happened it's it, probably worth it probably probably worth it people would probably rather get get it right than get it wrong so uh seth k jolly would like yeah, is, is very jolly, yes. is very confused, Jason, um, about whether he should be buying uh, a Chrome stick, a Fire TV stick, a Roku, an Apple TV. He doesn't know what to do. Well, Can this will help? be a short one. Uh, I have a Fire Stick now. Uh, I tried it out a little bit. It's nice. It what it, what all of these point out is that Apple's interface is really kind of old and out of date, and the Apple TV needs a major upgrade. And I'm not quite sure what they're waiting for. Um, I would never buy an Apple TV right now because I feel like it's at the end of its lifespan and there'll be something else, a new Apple TV that will be better. Uh, there better be because this other stuff, the only thing the Apple TV has going forward right now is that it's connected to Apple's ecosystem. Um, I, uh, yeah, the fire stick is fun and it's really small, which I really like. And a lot of TVs have USB ports, so you can power it via the USB port on the TV and it's basically invisible at that point and it's got a little bluetooth remote so it's cute um i have only used the chromecast briefly um it's fine i i prefer i prefer one of these devices to have a remote control and not an app remote because i think app remotes stink i don't like and i have a roku and the roku is nice too um i don't like the idea that um you're going to control a device with your phone all the time because I don't always have my phone with me when I'm watching TV. And I certainly don't have my phone in my hand, unlocked, ready to control it and look on the touchscreen to see what I need to tap in order to get it right. I hate that. So I like the fact that, that the, uh, like the Amazon fire stick comes with a remote that is itself much larger than the product. <laughs> so I, I, they're fun and they're cheap. I mean, I bought the fire stick cause it was 20 bucks. And I thought, what the heck? I can try it out and maybe write about it at some point. Um, but uh, it's early. All of these products are good, but have limitations. Um, and you know, th- th- I mean, that's really all I can say is they all they all try to tie you into an ecosystem uh, of some sort or other. And depending on what ecosystem you have files in, that's going to affect your decision. We have. Uh... A couple of questions about headphones. So, headphones. Uh, at CF318 and at underscore Joe Darnell are interested in the headphones we use, both what are the fun headphones we use for music, what do we use on the desk, how do they differ, um, and I guess I would also throw in professional, what do you use for your podcasting? So, Jason, what headphones do you use? I have a pair of um, Ultimate Ears in-ear monitors that I use at my desk that used to be my uh, my headphones that I wore everywhere, but um, they've got replaceable cables, which is good because the cables go bad eventually. And I've run, they don't, they no longer make cables for these headphones. And I've run out of the iPhone version that's got the clicker and the microphone. So now all I have are regular headphone cables. So now they just stay at my desk. So those are what are in my ears now. And they are, um, they're standard in-ear monitors. Um, they're like the UE4s, I think. Um, they're really good. They're the best headphones I've ever owned. Um, and I'm I'm an in-ear headphone guy. So I'm like the when Marco Arment reviews headphones and says, "I stop telling me about in-ear headphones. I can't wear them." Um, I'm the, I'm that guy who who can. 
Um, and I actually have silicone uh, custom ear tips that I had made a few years ago. So um, that's really cool because they're molded to fit my ears. So they don't just uh, stick in with a little like foam earbud that sticks in your ear. I've got these silicone things that are the exact shape of my ear canal. So when they go in, the seal is is solid and uh, it isolates me from outside sound, sometimes laughably so, but um, it makes the, it makes them sound that much better because there's no sound interference. And then separately, um, for when I'm walking around, I've got a pair of uh, Edemotic in-ear ones that come with the little iPhone he- clicker on them. And that same mold that I used for the custom tips for here, that company, which is, I want to say ECS, I think. Um, that makes those custom ear tips. Um, uh, I just called them up and said, do you still have my mold? Cause they do a 3d scan. So there's just, it's just a file. And I said, can you make me a pair that work on the Edemotic headphones? And they're like, sure, that'll be, I don't know what, 75 bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I have the custom, I have custom, uh, silicone ear tips on those Edemotics that I use when I'm walking around. Very fancy. I'm an in-ear, in-ear guy. Once, once you go for me, it's like once, you, once I went in ear, I, I would never go back. It, they're they're super comfortable and they sound great and I totally appreciate how other people um, can't wear them because especially I I when I went to Arizona to visit my mom I forgot my headphones and I had to buy a pair of headphones and I bought in ears but with just little like you know generic tips on them and boy wearing those for an hour my ears were really unhappy with me <laughs> but when you get the customs done which aren't cheap I, the, the the custom old cost like 150 bucks or something like that but boy they sound good and they feel good. So, yeah, I can't. I can't do in ears. They make my ears really hurt. Um, and one of my ears, I think my left ear, just doesn't stay in. I don't know why. Um, I when I'm out and about, I just use ear pods. Uh, they're fine. They're fine. Uh, I I mainly listen to podcasts rather than music. I do listen to music with them, but I'm not an audiophile. I listen to streaming music services. Like it, the quality is not massively important to me. Um, obviously I want good quality, but I'm not, you know, I'm not crying about it. Mm. Uh, when I'm traveling, I do have some Bose headphones. Um, I can't remember what ones I have, but I will make sure that they go into the show notes. Um, and I just use those because when I'm on a plane, I like to have, uh, headphones that go all the way over the year. Um, but I don't, uh, I, I don't. L- like noise cancelling either uh, it makes me feel sick and I don't know why um, oh, oh I have the Bose Quiet Comfort QC15 no I don't I have a different model <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the picture and realised that they're not the ones that I have because I, I read uh, in an airport uh, I think I was on my way to San Francisco uh, I bought up one of Marco's reviews uh, mm. And went through that and picked a pair, um, but now I can't. I can't find them, but I will find them. Don't worry. Uh, they're like the the sort of the smaller ones. Anyway, I yeah. I, I the no, noise. I, can't... I pasted. I pasted in the chat room what I think of as the first time I ever saw who you were. Which, uh, if you can look at that picture, I put it in the show notes as well. Um, Thanks. This this is uh, some guy sort of singing into a microphone, holding on to headphones. And I thought, who is that guy? Mm-hmm. That was you. That was me. So those headphones. Those are, are like Sony like studio 
Yeah, they are the the Sony HDR7506. They are widely considered to be um, the best for uh, spoken audio. Whenever you see um, pictures or video of people in studios, they are pretty much all wearing Mm -hmm. these. I think I said it wrong. It's the MDR7506. Yeah, that's what we had in in the podcast room at, at Macworld was those. Um, so those on, look very familiar. I'm onto my second pair because my first pair I used so much that like the black on the cushion started fading away. <laughs> uh, I can't recommend this enough. They are. I wear these headphones sometimes for like eight hours a day, and they are incredibly comfortable and they sound fantastic. So, uh, big fan. I'm a big fan. Um, yeah, I think that's it for me on headphones. All right. Uh, now I think we will maybe go into two very, a couple of very quick questions actually. Uh, Crumpy yes. wants to know that now my commute is shorter. Will I have bought the six plus? The answer is yes because I love it. Obviously, I can't speak for a, a alternate timeline me, um, but <laughs> even now I would still buy the six plus. I would still get this form factor because it's no regrets. That I really like no regrets at all. All right. Uh, N. Kremens uh, is interested, Jason, in um. The More Nerf Brain Ball. More Nerf Brain Ball. I was going to gloss over that part. No! Uh, okay, what would you like to say about the Nerf Brain Ball today? We got we got multiple requests for more Nerf Brain Ball. Um, I, I have, I, I'm holding it now. I enjoy the Nerf Brain Ball. I have no new Nerf Brain Ball news um, other than to suggest that at some point it would be really great if we could find a way to get a Nerf Brain Ball to Mike. And... Um, or 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 an equivalent, as well as some Manchego. We should we should work on that. Come on, people, help me out here. Um, and I have had a few people send me pictures of other like foam brains or brain props, um, most of which really are disturbing. <laughs> but keep sending them. That's my brain ball update. Um, uh, he also mentioned the uh, top shelf episode, which is I think the Verge do. They did a great. Uh, episode of Top Shelf about podcasts, which you should listen, you should watch. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Right. Um, but I think the main thing that he wanted uh, you to talk about, I'm going to put this on you, <laughs> your opinion on the App Store Red notification. I'll put some links in the show notes if you don't know what they are. Those show notes, by the way, can be found at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 12. I don't have a lot. I mean, so App Store sent out a notification yesterday saying... Um, you know, buy great apps and and uh, the money goes to red, so it goes to fight AIDS. And um, the the fact, I, I guess, what I would say is, some people got upset about this. I, I guess I would say, um, these things have been going on for a while. This is a, sending notifications out for sales and for other things that are against the App Store rules uh, has been a thing that's been happening forever. And uh, I think it's dumb that this is a rule if it's not going to be enforced. And I think it's extra dumb that Apple is uh, breaking it, but it's also doing it for a good cause. And if it's a rule that's not being enforced anyway, um, then for Apple to break it with a tasteful message for a good cause as a part of their uh, App Store Red promotion seems to be about as gentle a way to break that rule as possible. Um, so... I understand the frustration of developers that the App Store rules aren't being followed and aren't being enforced, and maybe Apple should look at that. 
but it's hard for me to get particularly angry about this. If this was the only time, if, if apps had been pulled from the store and nobody had ever, ever sent a notification that violated those rules at all, and then this was the first time, even then I would probably be like, eh, you know, it's for a good cause. It's fine. It's hard for me to get worked up. I understand that a developer who has to go back and forth with Apple about App Store rules would be mad when Apple's own apps violate some of the rules. I understand that, but, you know... Uh, it's hard for me to get particularly upset about it. I, I uh, App Store rules should be clearer, and I think it's great that Apple was in, so involved in the uh, in the uh, Red project this year. So you know, shrug. It's pretty pretty much how I feel. Like, yeah, it sucks that they sent out a notification, but they did it for a good thing. And also, I mean, the only reason it sucks is because of the rule. If the rule wasn't there, it wouldn't even matter. So maybe they should just get rid of the rule in the first place. But whatever but i do think that um it should you know if you can overlook it you should overlook it because it was kind of for a good reason and we have time for one more comment which i'm i promise will be very quick this is from jim and tonic and he says i'm flying tomorrow for work what are your preferred technologies for air travel and or travel altogether Mm. and i'm going to keep this simple airplanes Airplanes are my preferred technology for air travel. Zeppelins would be a, a second, mm. but airplanes are. I generally go with airplanes for air travel. Not hundred percent. Thanks for writing in, Jim. I'm not hundred percent sure if that's what he was getting at. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what else it could mean. Whilst I agree with Jason, uh, I I also <laughs> like uh, airplanes. I think a couple of things for me that I would suggest. Uh, I use Evernote to keep all of my travel documents in. Um, I use uh, an app called, I think, called Flight Track 5 or something. Again, I'll. Oh, yeah, Flight Track. I use that. I'll put that in the show notes so you can, you know, as a, just as a good way to track uh, my flying ha- planes. I don't know what, really know what to say. Uh, and I, a good set of headphones. I have Passbook now. I use pa- Passbook or, yes. a, uh, or, or, or the Photos app sometimes mm-hmm. if it's a. Um, Here's your barcode on your on a web page. I'll take a screenshot of it so I make sure that I don't have to load the web page when I get to the airport. I'm a big fan of uh, Passbook when I'm traveling, yeah. when it works, when the uh-huh. airline allows you to use it. Makes me very happy, Jason. And these in-ear headphones that I mentioned earlier, those are great on an airplane. Yes. <laughs> those are great on an airplane. They just block out the airplane sound. Mm-hmm. You should 100% be using oh. a set of in-ear or any kind of over-ear just good headphones when you're on a plane i think is quite important um and it's why i have my unidentified bose uh headphones for that i hope anyway jim i hope you're flying on a jet airplane tomorrow because that's the best good luck good luck (laughs) i once flew on a propeller airplane and i was very scared by the whole situation well, my growing up, my dad actually um, had a plane for a little while, a propeller plane. And man, well, you that de- demystifies a lot of flying when you realize that. I don't know how my mother allowed him to spend any money on, on on something like that, and then eventually he sold it. But he was a private pilot, and he flew to little tiny airports in this little tiny airplane, and it was uh, uh kind of scary. Uh, but then we did we took a commercial uh, flight that was pr- a prop plane in Florida once, and I was like, what have we gotten ourselves into? It's a very slow flight. Scary. Very slow. Scary. Okie dokie. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to all of our questions, but we'll save some for next time. It's too late. If you'd like to find the show notes for this week's episode, you want to point your web browser of choice at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 12. 
My name is Mike Hurley. I'm at iMike on Twitter. I M Y K E, and my illustrious co-host, Mr. Jason Snell, is at J Snell on Twitter. That's J S N E W L, -L, and he writes at thefantasticsixcolors.com. We'll be back next time with another episode of Upgrade. Thanks again to our friends Hover, Dash, and MailRoute. Till then, goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.